Sales Jacks and Jills. Welcome to the Sales Jacks podcast. I am your co-host, Paul Greenberg, also known as the sales guy with a tie. Sad to admit, but I have been in sales, sales management, or sales operations now for over 23 years. Every industry you can think of, specifically though, business equipment, dental, medical, and everything in between with a little bit of entrepreneurial mix in there as well. And I'm the pretty half of this podcast, Kelly Meyer. I'm the sales dude with an attitude and I've been in sales for well over 25 years. I've sold everything from my body to health club memberships, beer, advertising, and now I sell Texas land. We put together sales jacks to discuss topics that we think are important. Your job is to sell, sell, sell. Sales professionals touch every industry and it's our job to make sure that you are better in your careers. We don't want you just to be a sales professional living sale to sale, paycheck to paycheck. Our goal is to turn you into sales jacks and jills to help your career really take off. If you feel this show adds value to your life, guys, please consider liking, sharing, giving it a rating in the podcast app. You obviously know how valuable referrals are. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. And most importantly, guys, thank you for selling. Let's go. Hey, Sales Jacks and Jills. Are you still using post-it notes and spreadsheets to manage your leads and tasks and incoming and outgoing calls? Well, you need to get a customer relationship management software. And if Salesforce was paying me, I'd tell you to use them, but they're not, so I didn't. Sales Jacks, amazing episode here, guys. Here we are. This is your co-host, Paul Greenberg. Excited to be here with you, sharing everything that I have learned and messed up on in my past life. Kelly, I have a question for you. Who has two thumbs and loves a good cold call? Oh, I think I know the answer to this one. I I think it's Paul Greenberg, my sales guy with a tie. Dude, that is right. This guy, okay? Today we are talking cold calls. I always ask why the disdain. It's amazing to me to find so many people who aren't into cold calls. If you don't enjoy them, I honestly think it's time to check your sales card at the door. So if you start hearing clinking wherever you are, those are people's sales cards being dropped at the door. Guys, it's arguably the one activity that will keep your funnel full, your bank account loaded, and your confidence up. Yes, I said confidence up. Cold calls have the ability to actually build confidence over time throughout your day, throughout your month, and throughout your career. So my first question as always is, what's there not to like about cold calls? I agree, man. It's one of those things that for me, it separates the great sales jacks from the mediocre ones, right? So those people out there who hate cold calls, 90% of the time are also the people out there that hate paychecks. Like they're like, shit, why is my, my paycheck so low this quarter? And at the end of the day, it's because if you're just taking the leads that are coming your way, the low hanging fruit, and I say this over and over, what are you even doing? Like the value yeah. of the cold call is that you're getting new business you wouldn't have had. Kelly, are you talking about sifting the sales jacks from the sales jokers? Oh, I was, but I didn't put it so eloquently. I appreciate that. I, I Gosh, I, look, the elegance abounds. Look, here's the thing. I have to laugh because as a sales leader now, I can actually tell on a resume when I see somebody who is what I call just like a, a perennial or multi-perennial person who is literally just chasing low-hanging fruit, right? They will literally leave a job every two years because the low-hanging fruit's gone. They're going to go figure out where to find more fruit. And they decide to go ahead and do that. So I just have to laugh. You're right. And I had never thought about it in that exact premise, but you're right. Those are the people they don't want to put the work in, right? No, well, they don't appreciate it. They don't like the challenge. And that's 
one of the things, and, and you can honestly make this argument that there also maybe one of the things that has held me back in my career is I remember I was one of the only guys who would go out and personally, as a, as a millionaire, would walk in the Texas heat in July, putting flyers on houses door to door for membership leads. I'm like, yeah. no one's doing that. But at the end of the day, maybe I could have done something more valuable, but I understood the value of cold calls, of, of getting that lead that wasn't going to walk in and whatever it took to do it, I was going to do it. You know, it's funny. What you're describing is kind of what I've always referred to for the last 12 years as the inner dog, right? I mean, you're right. You're you're a millionaire business owner, rich business owner at that, of course, because every business owner is rich, right? Um, <laughs> and you're knocking on doors in the heat because you want to keep the lifeblood of your business going. And you're right. I think if you apply that to your territory or your patch as a salesperson, then you're going to get more out of it, right? So here's the deal, man. Why are salespeople not as jack, no pun intended, about cold calling? What do you think is happening that people just aren't jacked about it? You think it's skill set? You think it's inner dog? Like, where, what's going on? I think you got both of those. I mean, for one, it becomes a thing that since not everyone's jacked about it, you get a lot of middle management that wasn't good at it to begin with. And let's face it, a lot of guys in middle management, unlike you, Paul Greenberg, they did not right. get there from being high performers, right? So a lot of times it was... Mm-hmm politicking and playing the bureaucracy and then whatever it took to get to that role. And so then if that guy or girl was not not only proficient, but effective at cold calling, they're not teaching their staff to do it. They're not understanding the value of it and then paying that forward and helping those guys and girls to reach their goals. So there's that, so that the skill side of it. But I think, you know, I talk about this a lot. I think that who you are as a salesperson reflects who you are as a person And I absolutely think that the fear of failure, fear of rejection, that people are built in this way that they just fundamentally don't want to put themselves out there. You know, they'll put the product out there and they'll be like, hey, prospect A didn't buy it, but it was the product's fault. But on a cold call, it's almost always you, bro. Like it's, you're out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't even know what the heck they're they're saying no to it. That in a cold call, you're right. They're saying no to you. They're not saying no to to the product or the service at that rate, right? You didn't even get there yet. I tell you. (laughs) It's funny that you mention the parallel between someone professionally and someone personally, right? I, it's really funny. I asked somebody the other day, I was doing an interview for one of our territories, and I said to them, I said, here's the thing. I, I appreciate everything that's on your resume. Tell me about you. And this guy was stunned. He was like, you want to know about me? I mean, nobody ever asked about me. Like, everybody just wants to know about my accomplishments. And I said, well, here's the thing, man. Who you are as a person, as a human, will absolutely translate to who you are as a sales professional. So I want to know about you. Whatever you're comfortable sharing with me, share that with me because it tells me a lot about what you're going to do and how you're going to apply things to your business, not just in your personal life, right? So this is a good time right now. Jackson Jills, we do want your opinions and your thoughts on how much you love, lots of heart emojis, or hate cold calling. Leave that in the comments or email us. Uh, info is in the podcast details, obviously. But I really, I, I want to hear an example. Kelly, do you have an example for us of a cold calling scenario that either went south or that or that went well? One or the other, man. You know, I think a lot of great salespeople, and I don't necessarily know I'd put myself in that category. I'm, I'm a functional salesperson, but I think <laughs> a lot of great salespeople have always got an example of an experience where they learned to cold call, and it was never easy. It was never these... Uh, rainbows and the first guy I called bot or whatever. I mean, let me tell you the story. So I was, damn dude, I was 21 actually. And I drove from Texas to Oregon in the, in the freezing cold. First time I'd ever driven out of the state, drive all the way to Oregon in like a day and a half, two days straight. I walk into work and we're doing this consulting gig. I knew what we were kind of doing, but I didn't know the nuts and bolts because I hadn't, this is my first day on the job. They dude literally hands me a phone book, sits me in front of a phone and says, start calling. Here's your script 
call every single human being in the city and tell them they want a free two-week membership, which in and of itself would be stressful. But here's what I got to do. So the the room, the quote-unquote office that I was doing these uh, calls in, was literally a desk in front of three sides windows. So I'm in the center. The way, the way it worked is the gym was literally built around this office. So on all three sides, there's people looking in the windows at me while I'm making my cold calls for the first time in my life, probably sweating buckets and beat red, 350 shades of red. But I learned how to do it. I got through it. And every single cold call I ever made after that was easier than the ones I made in that stupid three sides windows office that first day. Yeah, I mean, I, I I laugh like when you see people who don't enjoy cold calling. I, I almost I, I giggle because again, like every single one, you're gonna do that much better, right? As you go on. For me, I have this kind of cool success story of when I remember cold calling on this account for I mean, just years. And every single time I'd go there, I'd be like, Hey, doctor, are you gonna start using us? He's like, Yeah, man, for sure. And then I'd be like, Oh, cool. Can I go talk to the surgery center? And he'd be like, No, I'll go talk to him. <laughs> And then I'm like, you're not going to use me, are you? And he's like, nah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. How'd you know? And I'm like, because you've told me this every single time. But I remember after two and a half years of visiting him, he finally looked at me. He's like, why do you keep coming here? And I'm like, because honestly, it's my job to be here. And every time you say no, it, I mean, it requires me coming back here even more to make sure that I don't miss out on something at some point. I said, I don't know when you're not going to like your current vendor, but at some point you aren't. And I said, so you ready to start using us? And he's like, yeah. I am. Can I go talk to the surgery center? And he's like, yeah, you actually can. <laughs> and that was kind of like a story of just literally going somewhere for multiple years. Um, to me, a cold call isn't just one visit, right? Sometimes a cold call is multiple visits, right? I think on that note, let's go ahead and hit a quick break. And uh, we'll be back after we get our Red Bull so that we can get our wings. Hey, Sales Jackson Jills. I'd like to informally give you a formal invite to check out my first podcast, How Not to Start a Damn Brewery. After a decade of pain and suffering, I wrote a book and started this podcast to be the lone voice of reality in an industry pretending it's packed with unicorns and rainbows. I autopsy dead and dying breweries and talk to anyone inside and outside the industry that I think can shed a little light on how not to start a damn brewery. No matter what industry you're in, you'll learn something valuable. You'll hear dramatic stories of struggle and loss and get to hear me on a little worse behavior than I am on sales jacks. So listen wherever you get your favorite podcasts like this one, and I'll hopefully see you soon. We are back this is Paul again, and I'm looking and staring at my bestie. His name is? Kelly Meyer. Absolutely. This is absolutely the sales dude with an attitude. Kelly, you had a really good explanation of how you were sitting in that small room in Bend, Oregon, and how that helped you really grow from cold calling, right? Do you think reps are often given enough tools and the proper training to know how to cold call, or do you think that that's just something that you get baptized by fire on? Well, I think it's a mix of both. I mean, some of the bigger companies, especially call centers, they're good at teaching you how to handle that, right? But yeah. I think the average company, especially some of the smaller ones that, you know, there's there's just not a script. There's not a presentation. And a lot of these guys and girls out there just never learned themselves. So how do you teach yeah. somebody what you don't know? Well, and I do, I, I want to clarify too, because if everybody just thinks I'm talking about cold calling, like calling on the phone, I am also talking about cold calling face-to-face, -face, an actual in-person sales call visit, right, to people. And let's be real, whether it's a phone pitch or an in-person pitch, I don't think it matters. The pitch is the pitch, right? So I'm here to tell everybody that honestly, guys, cold calling to me, it's your friend. If you're new to sales, embrace it now. Like, don't make this a skill that you're going to figure out down the road because it's going to serve you better up front. Embrace it now. Embrace it yesterday. Last week, maybe when you when you accepted the job uh, is when you should have probably embraced it before you even signed. But that's another thing, right? So I want to get into some tips for cold calling. I think it's critical that you know your company and your product really, really well. When you don't know what you're selling 
or the nuts and bolts of it, I think it's very hard to be passionate about it and then translate that passion so that somebody else can go ahead and see it. Have you ever, ever had a scenario, Kelly, where you were sitting there and you were cold calling and you actually had a live one, right? You, you had a fish on the line and then they started asking you questions and you didn't really know what you were talking about or how to respond? Yeah, and it sucks. And I've had that happen Like now that I've, I've transitioned into real estate or, or specifically land sales. I don't call myself a real estate agent, which is a whole other question. I wish you called yourself a luxury <laughs> real estate agent. To me, that's the best kind of real estate agency. Technically, I'm a dirty real estate agent because all I sell is dirt. It's but dirt. That's oh my a, God, that's nice. You are dirty. Yeah, I like that. But yeah, so when I recently transitioned into this industry, that happened to me all the time. Like So I, back in October, I started taking phone calls and, and I understood sales. I understood the concept of you know meeting demand and, and giving people what they need. And right. qualifying for the sale, but every single question I didn't know the answer to. What are the restrictions? What you know? How far is it from the hospital? I have no idea. And so every call, I got smarter and smarter and smarter. And in the last five months, I can now just nail those questions every single time. And I can anticipate when I answer this one, I know what she's going to ask next, and I'm already ready for that one. Yeah, so. I mean, what you're describing is the preparation. And in some of my trainings, I oftentimes will tell people, like, figure out, like, the three biggest objections or things that you're going to need to handle and know how to handle them like a champ, right? Because let's be real, man, like, not being able to answer a basic question is extremely weak and it doesn't give you that confidence. And people can tell when you don't have that confidence. They can tell on the phone. They can tell in person. They can tell through an email when you aren't confident. So to me, really knowing your 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 product, your service, your marketplace, what you do is so critical, makes you a better cold caller, right? Also crafting conversations that are gonna build relationship. I'm gonna tell you right now, and I don't know if it's just the 23 years in me, but I'm not a relationship kind of person. Probably personally or professionally at this point, I digress. Um, too many reps, I know for a fact, rely on relationship. I mean, you'll ask somebody, hey, why should I hire you? Or you'll ask a rep like, hey, what do you think you do really, really well? And they'll always be like, oh, I'm great at building relationships. Well, I'll always point back to a survey that was done where they had actually interviewed clients, right, or business leaders, and they said, how important is relationship to you? And so many of them responded, I like relationship, but I don't always buy from the person that I have a relationship with. I buy from the person that can give me the most value, right? So to me, I think it's important to figure out the relationships so that there's commonality and rapport and that you're memorable, right? I think being memorable is important. That'll differentiate you but not to just get by on relationship by itself. The only Thoughts caveat on that? that I'm going to throw in there for you is that, uh, that that's a little bit of BS in the sense that you are absolutely positively a 100% relationship seller. You just don't rely on it. But you build relationships with every client and customer you've ever had. And so they trust you. They know you. They still call you. You'll get texts on a Saturday night. These people are your friends and they're your family. And so I get yeah. where you're coming from. But you're also really great at relationships. I appreciate the kind words. It's, I don't hear many of them. And, and honestly, it's <laughs> very, very, uh, very comforting to me. But I think you're right. I guess my big tip to everybody would be don't like fall into the pit of just relying on the relationship. You've got to be able to do more than just build relationships. I, I'm telling you guys right now, somebody comes to me and tells me they know how to build relationships and I'm interviewing them. What else you got? Here's the thing. Everybody knows how to build relationships. To me these days, the relationship part, that's getting in the ballpark, but you don't have a seat yet, right? No, you got to do better than that I, for sure. Yeah, you got to bring something. I alluded to this earlier, but my other thing that I love, guys, scheduling time. Like I said, if you're not putting it in your calendar, prospecting Northeast San Antonio, and then you're looking at, you know, I'm going to at least hit four to six offices when I've got that two-hour block of time that says prospecting. 
Northeast San Antonio or Southwest Austin. I don't really care what you do, but put it in your calendar. I always say that you can tell how important something is to somebody by either looking at their calendar or their checkbook. One of the two, right? So in the sales world, your calendar will really show you what the importance is to things. So schedule time for prospecting. Obviously, use a script, man. And that's either in person, create a value proposition that you can go in confidently with, right? Or do something over the phone, right? Guys like us take for granted that you've been doing it for so long, you really don't need a script. But we did the first even five, six, seven years. And I remember even in the gym business, I never took a call without the script somewhere. I didn't use it all the time, but I knew it was there. And almost like had it. I could see it in my head because I knew it was on my desk type thing. So yeah, it was like a blankie. Yeah, like right. Like a blankie of sorts. My whoopee. No, you know what? I, I got to tell you, I, uh, I was speaking with a sales director for an esoteric laboratory company. Her and I were discussing how a lot of times we'll go into the field with reps. She didn't even work for our company. We were talking and I said, have you ever had somebody say, man, that was so good in there. Like, How'd you do that? And it was so funny. The minute she said this, and you're going to get what she, what, what she said. She said, Paul, I don't even know. Like when I come out of a sales appointment, people will be like, do you hear what you said in there? And I'm like, no, I don't remember anything I just did. You literally, when you have this thing dialed in, and that's my goal for everybody listening, to get you dialed in, you black out on what the heck you're actually doing because you're literally on cruise control and you're just doing your thing. You're doing it well, right? But you black out. So I can't tell you how many times I've been in an appointment and then I was like, I don't remember what the hell I just did. Yeah, um, same thing with phone calls. I mean, at some point, you just sort of get the rhythm and the rapport, and you're just you're just running in the conversation. And you, no matter how it went, at the end of the day, you knew you got a sale out of it. So it that just comes with skill and experience, and well, for some of us. But give me some other uh, other good things when it comes to scheduling time, Kelly. What do you think? Well, one of the most important things that I've come into so, so I do a lot of not even necessarily cold calls, but we get a lot of leads, and I just follow back up on those. There are people who have submitted a you know an online request at nine thirty at night after half a bottle of wine. They don't even remember in the morning what they were asking for. So it's kind of a cold-ish call. But I get a lot of those. I did that? I don't think I did that. <laughs> Twice. But one of the things that I've found that works for me is not just to sit down and do the call, but to set a goal. So I want 116 calls a week. That for, that's a number that sticks in my head. It's easy to remember. I need yeah. to make 116 outgoing cold calls every single week. And that works well for me. I think if you don't have a goal you don't have that confidence, then you're just going to pull whenever you can. Like, oh, I'm busy or grandma called or whatever. You come up with an excuse not to finish. But if you right. know your 116 call a week goal, it's easier to knock it out. Maybe you can do it Monday and not call the rest of the week, you know? Yeah, it's a really, really good point. I mean, as we talked about budgeting that time, right? Scheduling that time. And you're right. I don't really care when you do it or how you do it, but you've got to do it. Again, if it's important and you really want to go ahead and take your business to the next level, you've got to make time for that. So cold calling itself is that cold call, right? You don't have a relationship. So I like to call, email, text, and Facebook. So that sounds a little bit like stalking, and a little bit of it is. But what happens is if I make a call, leave a message, they hear my voice, I send a text, maybe there's a little nugget of something that they'd asked for, and I'm able to put that in a text. Then I send them an email. Then I you know, throw something up on Facebook. We've sort of got a relationship. I've talked to them four times now in a way. You're bringing up the old adage, right? And I think you and I talked about this back when we had our gym businesses, was that people don't even consider you for purchase or for anything with respect to using, like spending their money, giving you a credit card or buying from you or using your service until they've seen your name or heard about you seven times. And I remember that seven times being the magical number, right? Mm -hmm. So one thing I've always tried to instill in reps is like, hey, drop your, your business card off at the front desk. That's the first time, right? You connect with the doctor on Facebook or on LinkedIn, probably. That's going to be your second time, right? You leave a, a pamphlet 
the next time you go. There's your third time. But you've got to be knocking down those seven times to even get consideration, right? So you're right. You look at that. You look at the follow-up. How can you make as many connections or build rapport even when you're not in front of somebody? There's actually a really cool um, website or service also too called Vidyard. I actually want to see if we can talk to those guys because it's really unique. It was cool during the pandemic. You could send somebody an actual like a, a video message when they'd open it up. So it would say like, Paul Greenberg wants to send you a video message. It emails them, you open it, they click on the link. And then it would be like, hey doctor, I know you're busy. You know, wanted to get in touch with you. This seems like the best way to do so, et cetera, et cetera. Like if you're interested, I'd like to stop by your office next week, see if we can set up a, an in-person appointment. Really, really cool way to get in front of people, right? But not have to be in front of them. Or maybe sometimes you can't get in front of them, right? Yeah, not always, but you, gotta, you have to build that relationship somehow so that when you do, they feel like they know you a little bit. That's how that works, unfortunately, right? I mean, here's the thing. I think the last thing that we should talk about, and we had started with it originally, and I think we need to really kind of like roll down a little bit with it too, is accepting rejection. And I'm not just talking about accepting rejection. I'm talking about accepting rejection like a champ, like a boss, like Kelly does on a daily, be- All on a daily the time. basis. I mean, here's the thing, guys. I was in the field for 23 years. That's a long, I mean, it's two decades plus, right? The most common and toughest feeling, in my opinion, to handle was always rejection, right? And let's be real. Rejection is hard personally, and naturally it's going to be hard in the professional setting as well, right? Kelly, is it easy to accept? It'll never be easy to accept, but you get to a point where you just, it, it's part of the job, and it's just like anything. The first time you go do a deadlift, it sucks. You don't want to do it ever again, but once you realize that it makes you stronger in every conceivable way, you're like, okay, I see value in this, right? We've been in many industries and everyone's got a different closing percentage based on the industry, whatever. I get that. But I don't know anyone who closes more than 50% all the time. And if you think of it that way, all of us here know more often than we hear yes. You just got to get used to it. I mean, I'm, I'm at the point where I would actually give somebody kudos if they were closing 20% of their total call visits, right? Because I mean, again, you're just going to have percentages of people that either aren't in the market to do something or they're satisfied or they're wherever they need to be, right? So I think here's the thing. Rejection in a professional setting, it's just, it's not personal, right? No one's rejecting you and who you are as a human. You just haven't done or convinced or said what needed to be done as a professional to get to that next step, right? And don't forget this too. I always say this, whether you're making a phone call or whether you're visiting an office, any kind of business, you got, I mean, those office staff, they are literally paid. Their job is to literally get rid of you or to reject unwanted visitors, right? So if that's their job, then what's our job, Kelly? I mean, what do you think it is? Someone's going to make a sale. Either you're going to make a sale on why you're going to get in there or they're going to sell you on why you're not. Someone's going to win that dialogue, right? So if their job is to convince us that we shouldn't be there and to keep us out, then our job is to convince people that they should give us the time, right? And that they should give us a chance and that they actually should trial us or keep sending to us or keep buying from us, keep sending us POs, et cetera. I mean, you get it, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I remember being 20 years old and working for Xerox Corporation. Um, I had gotten a territory and I remember my old sales manager, he says to me, Paul, every no is going to get you that much closer to a yes. And that stuck with me because I will tell you every time I heard no and I'm sitting there in the sweltering heat and I'm like, all right, one more, one more no. And I'm getting that much closer to my yes. And I didn't know how many no's I needed to get to the yes, mm-hmm. but I knew that every single no was going to bring me to the yes. Well, and I well, use the example of the real estate too. So I, when I started... Uh, it took me 145 no's to get to the 146 and 147. Those two people were both sales, but it took me 145 no's to get to them. 
Well, and, and it's why we do what we do, right? I mean, I, I think back to this one office a couple of years back and I kept going in there and they were like, nope, nope. I remember even the employee of the other company that actually worked on site there was like, hey, go tell your boss that we're good and we don't need anything. Like, you don't even need to come here anymore. Yeah. And I remember just laughing and I'm like, yeah, thanks. I'll, I'll take that note in our CRM, all right? But here's the reality. Like, I get paid to go in there and to try to show them why they at least need to consider us, right? That's where I'm closing with. Kelly, break us down with a closing thought so that we can go ahead and leave these people with something just amazing. All right, I'll give you a funny story. So we talked about, obviously, there's a fear of rejection, right? Then that cold calling yeah. is not people's natural state of being. And I had this guy that worked for me. Great kid, kind of his first real job, and he, I had him making phone calls, and he was terrified. He just, he couldn't do it. He was, like, scared of the rejection, and first time he got a no, this lady was rude to him. He freaked out. I literally looked at him, and I go, dude, here's the problem. You're taking it personally. What I want you to do from now on is when you call the person, you are no longer Nick. You're Cowboy Nick. And Cowboy Nick, don't give a shit. Cowboy nice. Nick, he's wearing a hat. He's got a bit of an attitude. He's going to go to the honky-tonk after this. This sale means nothing to Cowboy Nick because Cowboy Nick's above it. And you're was, talking about he's play, playing loose, playing loose. It was cheesy as hell, and I would not necessarily recommend it for everybody, but just the fact that he could take a different persona and be somebody different automatically made it that much easier for him. And was he the best salesperson in the company? No, he was not, but he got way better than he was. Sometimes, you know what? I think what you're describing is sometimes needing to channel that inner cowboy, right? And I laugh because a lot of times I'll refer to some people as cowboys and I usually don't mean it in a positive way. I usually mean they're trying to buck, they're bucking the trend at the company. They're always against the grain. They're going to do things however they want. They're not making friends, right? Back in their truck and in the parking lot. All that makes sense, my dude with the tood. My last free tip to everybody, and I know you're going to appreciate this one, Kelly. Look, I think all of you sales jacks and jills, you need to be putting at least two cold calls or cold visits, if you're in the field, in your sales plan per day. Get out of your comfort zone. If you're sitting there trying to hit on low-hanging fruit or warm leads, go start talking to people you haven't talked to. It's the only way to expand your marketplace, expand your patch, and make your things bigger, right? And we do not wish for mediocrity for you. We want you better. So absolutely. No. So almost like cowboy sales jacks and jills. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, it, would, it would almost be appropriate that way. Here's the deal, guys. Peace and love. See you guys next episode. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks for sticking around, guys. We truly hope that at least some part of what we discussed today will seep deep into your amazing career. Please keep in mind that we do not claim to know everything. So, of course, your experiences in the field may vary, and that is A-OK. -okay. But we do know what we've learned with close to 50 years of experience between the both of us in the field. We've cried, bled, toiled, you name it, for all these insights. And we believe that they're going to lead you to a more fundamental understanding of the sales process, sales world, and something that I like to call sales energy. And quite frankly, all that ends up leading to a more complete sales career with hopefully what ends up being a more complete life for you. At the moment, we are not available for consulting or speaking engagements or sales training, but we are considering that. Now, parties and appearances and the like, different story. Call my agent. That being said, if you have a comment, criticism, suggestion, something that you want to get to us, please send me an email to paul at salesjackpg at gmail.com or you can reach Kelly at freeplaykelly at gmail.com. You will also find those email addresses in the podcast details. Happy selling sales jacks and jills. Spread love. See you soon.
free play. Media. Media.